Salam and welcome back to Football a la Turca episode 6. This week we're here with a very special episode during the international break in which we will discuss Turkey's international qualifiers for Euro 2020. But apart from that we will also delve into an impending foreign limit return and for that I am joined once again by Burak Sezgin and Uzer Dinger but not just my two compatriots also Bruno Bottaro live from Italy is joining us to on the show today uh, to discuss the foreign limit and Turkey's results. Guys welcome to the show and Bruno thank you very much for joining us as well. Buonasera a tutti. Buonasera. That just reminds me of the song Buonasera, Signorita, Buonasera. <laughs> Amazing. It is time to say goodnight to Napoli, right? <laughs> oh, you're a man of many talents, Carl. <laughs> yeah. Uh, next episode should be you uh, singing us to sleep, Carl. Oh, well, uh, I used to. <laughs> you <laughs> no, could I'm not gonna... go to the next uh, festival of Sanremo, which is a traditional masterpiece here in Italy. So. Yeah, maybe, maybe my next career uh, once uh, I, you know, I leave all this behind. Um, but let's let's talk <laughs> about some football. But before we do that, Bruno, maybe shortly introduce yourself for our listeners that don't already know you. Although I think most of the English-speaking Turkish football fans will know you from Twitter. But introduce yourself anyway. No, no, uh, or maybe uh, also a uh, wait for me. Uh, to be like known by many people in Turkey. Uh, actually, it all started with a holiday uh, back many years ago. I went to Istanbul without uh, knowing that it would have uh, practically, yes, changed my life because my passion for Turkish football, uh, which like took me completely uh, with that trip, became uh, really something uh, more. I started my own blog in Italian uh, that was called calcioturco.com, which is basically Turkish football translated into Italian. And then I uh, like had some chances for local magazines and also English-speaking features to write something somewhere, work with newspapers. And then I uh, also had a, a quick stint at a TRT World in Istanbul last summer. And now I'm working in Germany. I'm here in Italy just for a few days uh, uh, on leave days, but actually I live in Germany now in Munich, which is a kind of another province of Turkey, of course, like mostly in Germany. But actually, um, uh, it's my new uh, job is at DAZN, which is a OTT sports television. Uh, they also stream some some Turkish football matches in Germany. Uh, for the moment, the Turkish Cup. And they have a great pundit in uh, Fatih Demireli, who is the, uh, also director of Socrates magazine in Germany. So uh, actually, it's uh, always amazing to find Turkish football uh, around when I first, also when I worked in Turkey, of course. But now uh, in Germany, it's amazing because I work for this company uh, that is also having the rights of, uh, for Turkish football in Japan which is something peculiar. We will already talk about that with uh, Khan because uh, uh, matches of Besiktas and Galatasaray are having great numbers so far. Uh, and I could say that because I heard that from the guys in Japan of the zone. And they will have the Super League for other three years from now and they also will stream more matches. So 
I always meet Turkish football even when I escape Turkey. So as I was saying to an old friend from Istanbul, you can even leave Turkey, but Turkey never leaves you. This happens <laughs> happened to me the first time I went there, and mm, like uh, all it's roads, like, uh, all roads yeah, lead, lead to me. Turkish football, basically. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't have Turkish relatives. People always ask me if I have a Turkish mother or something. Uh, but um, actually, I don't have any Turkish relative, even though I am Italian, so I could have some ancestors in Turkey, I guess. But anyway, that's amazing. Uh, what's the best thing about Turkey? My experience has always been I've been there five or six times. I don't remember exactly, but that's the amazing hospitality that the people give you and that's something i want to say always when i talk about turkish football because it's important to say that because when i was in trabzon i was uh, they gave me a trabzon name and the trabzon surname when i was in konya i was konya le bruno so it was basically <laughs> an amazing hospitality and that's something that i could never forget honestly well, it sounds like uh, you have had an amazing, amazing adventure when it comes to Turkish football. And it does show that Turkish football does have a certain appeal also for those who don't necessarily have Turkish heritage and aren't kind of obligated to like it, uh, like us gentlemen. <laughs> but <laughs> when we when we talk about uh, Turkish football, of course, that goes synonymous with the Turkish national team. And the Turkish national team recently appointed a new coach, Sinan Güneş, and he was in charge for his first two official games this past week on Friday Turkey had already played Albania and won 2-0 on the road. And then on Monday, a resounding 4-0 victory over Moldavo. Let's quickly dig into these results in the Euro qualifiers. Let's start with the Friday result. Uh, Burak Yilmaz getting the goal. Uh, start, uh, go, the scoring started there for Turkey on his national team return following a, a splendid square pass by Cenk Tosun. And then in the second half... Hakan Çalhanoğlu scored the 2-0 and sealed the deal pretty much for Turkey for their first win of the week. And then on Monday, Turkey won pretty easily. Hasan Ali Kaldırım opening the scoreline early on in the 21st minute. Then Cenk Tosun doubled the score only a couple minutes later. In the second half, Cenk Tosun again and Khan Ayhan for the resounding 4-0. And this match really could have ended so easily. 7-8-9, maybe even 10-0. So many chances. And not just normal chances, but really 100%-like uh, chances. Burak Yilmaz even missed a penalty. Um, Burak, I'm going to throw to you first. What did you think of these two matches? And uh, what did you like and what didn't you like about Shinal Güneş's new Turkey team? <laughs> Um, I thought the partnership between Burak Yilmaz and Cenk Tosun is, was very promising. Um, you could see Cenk was enjoying playing with another striker. That's where he struggled at, at Everton. I feel when he's the lone striker with three midfielders behind him. Um, I liked the introduction of uh, Zeki. Um, Chaluk, um, I know he came on because Gukan Gonal got injured, but I thought he put in a, a good performance. So it was good to see a young right back um, who I think should now now start going forward. Um, I thought Marvot Tekdim had played well um, in his two performances. Um, he kept busy in the midfield. 
Um, I think we were talking beforehand about Okayo Kushlu. Um, I thought he his physical presence was really good against the Albanians, who did seem to want to play a little bit dirty. Um, lots of lots of fouls going on in that game. Lots of people falling over. I think um, Harkan Chalhon Chalhonolo, a good goal aided by deflection, of course. Uh, but I think that's good for his confidence. Um, playing behind the strike pair of Cenk and Burak. Um, Denis Turic, I thought he got a couple of assists against Moldova. Um, so good to see him um, get on there. Nostalgia reasons, loved seeing Emre Berezolo. Um He went off injured against Albania, but when he came on for the last, I think, five minutes against Moldova, he was straight on the pitch, shouting at people, organising the team, just being uh, the Emre that that I love, that some people might uh, not like very much. Um, two clean sheets, great to see. Um, good to see Merich Demiral. Um, he was positive. Uh, the positioning could be a little bit better, and he does look like he's got a temper, but he is a Turk. And, you know, th- you know, there's a book written called These Angry Turks, Chilgun Turklat. So he, he's one of us, and he's a young guy, so I'm looking forward to seeing him develop into that, that role. And with just good attacking play. Um, really good attacks uh, uh, put well together. Uh, one of my bonus points was seeing my man Hassan Ali Kaldurum score with his right foot. That's a collector's item, so put that one in your books, boys and girls, because I don't think he's scoring with his right foot again for a very long time. And um, I think it was just nice to be able to sit back and enjoy watching Turkey play without any fear. Um, I was extremely confident going into the Moldova game. I thought that we would slap them up, and we did. Um, fans in Eskishehir were great, uh, lovely stadium. So uh, all positives uh, from me. Negative-wise, um, I've just got to go down to team selection. Or San Özyakob, you could have brought in Emre Akwaba and given him like half, you know, 45 minutes. You could have played him. And the defence in the first half of the Albania game looked a little bit shaky. Um, I think Marit had to make a one-on-one save when it was nil-nil. Um, if that had gone in, it could have been a different game. But all around from me, uh, positive. People may say you only played Albania and Moldova, but to put in a good performance against these teams, get a clean sheet and score six goals, I think it's a it's a great start. So bring on France in Konya in June. And uh, what did you think, Bruno, about uh, Mary Demeral, for example, and uh, of course Hakan Chalanol? Do you watch these guys more closely from the Italian Serie A, of course? Um, but of course, you're also a connoisseur of Turkish football in general. So, what was your impression of this new generation of uh, t- the Turkish national team? Yeah, maybe they will. Uh, our listeners will say this is an Italian, so it starts from the defense. But actually, uh, all good teams uh, need to start from the from the defense. And here we have uh, Ozan Kabak, we have uh, Chalar Soyuncu, and we have Mary Demiral. So uh, the base for the next years for Turkey will have to start from these names, and that's the most positive note in my opinion for the whole Turkey. And uh, to add to this thing, uh, we can say that Mary de Miral has also impressed a lot of people in Italy in his first months, much more than Nakan, for example, because um, 
he's having a, a self-belief that no people believed that. Nobody was expecting that, actually. It was just like an unknown player coming from the Turkish League. And there is no knowledge of the Turkish League in Italy because it's not broadcasted. So uh, people in Italy usually have to go with the pirate links because that's the truth. Basically, uh, that's not very corporate by my side, but that's exactly what's happening. So uh, because it's not broadcasted. So that's a huge problem. Nobody knows that there are players of quality there and they uh, had the chance Sassuolo have a great scouting team and uh, Roberto De Zerbi is one of the best coaches uh, for the young players. That's absolutely important. For example, we saw also Eusebio Di Francesco with the they had a great relationship so um, Di Francesco improved a lot the quality of Genghis in there, which is another player we will see in the next uh, national team uh, break and I'm looking forward to that. Actually, Akan Chalanolo didn't have a good season so far with the Similan, but in the last matches he was gaining uh, also self-esteem, thanks uh, to Rino Gattuso, who always backed him. Even in the hardest moment, he always uh, chose to field him in the starting eleven. So basically we are uh, seeing uh, more also Roberto De Zerbi and Rino Gattuso on the pitch, not just a Cancelonolo and uh, Merine Miral. That's uh, also uh, amazing. From the Italian uh, coaching school, that's another proof that uh, as Italians we have good coaches. And uh, that's another proof that Turkish players are very good if they have the right uh, mentors, the right coaches, which is something yeah. that is clearly lacking at the moment in Turkey in average. We saw there, that with Arda, with, with Simeone. When, when, there, are, there are the exceptions, like, for example, Shenan Gunesh, he had also, even in this bad season, he had, uh, like, uh, many chances to field Durkan Tukus, who is another great player uh, we have to watch in the next matches. So, but if we exclude the great names like Shenan Gunesh uh, and maybe I put Kojaman, Abdullah we'll have really, really a great trouble in finding great coaches with tactical knowledge, I have a couple of doubts technically with Turkey, even uh, after those great matches after Albania, Albania and uh, Moldova, because uh, technically I don't know if the Burak Yilmaz and Cenk Tosun partnership could last with the stronger opponents like uh, Iceland and France, because you need those to be covered in the midfield. But time will tell. We know just the next month if it will be like proposed once again or if uh, maybe Shinal Gunesh will change his mind about that. As an Italian, I always think about the defense and I can just say good words about Neri de Miral, who is the probably best notes of the last two weeks for Turkey and in my opinion also as a Turkish player who gained the starting 11 for Sassuolo and that was not easy at all because a promising player like Mauricio Lemos did not do that. So that's not like something that comes easily. Demiral has done a very good job in a few months. He also has the right coach. He's great in also starting the play. He also a regista role uh, as a defender, which is something really, really uh, interesting to watch. 
Sassuolo is, even if I may hate, hate them as a project because they like stole basically a stadium from Reggiana, which is a long, long story, and we don't have the time here to tell this. But actually, um, they are really interesting to watch because they have a great coach and a great mentality as uh, shown on the pitch. So uh, if you have time in the weekends, just take a look at Sassuolo because of Mary de Mira, of course, and also because they are quite interesting. Like two Sundays ago, they lost a free five against Sampdoria, if I'm remembering this correctly. So um, you also can have fun by watching these matches. And uh, let's move over to you, Azar. What was your opinion on the match? What did you like in these two games? Uh, what maybe did you not like so much? Uh, well, I, I thought it was... I was quite impressed to see Shenol Ganesh start with a very positive attacking line on two strikers up front. Um, and I was impressed that he'd gone for a few informed players. I know we've discussed already Olsham being in there as well, which is kind of an anomaly in my book. But, but choosing Emre for example, as captain, who is also captaining his club probably to the title. Um, a lot of people would have probably criticised him for that and probably did criticise him for that nonetheless, but he's the most informed player in that position, I'd say. Uh, Okai as well, who's doing great things in uh, in La Liga. He's been selected player of the month twice, I think, this season. Mary, who we've discussed at a, a great length. and I've taken down a lot of your notes, Bruno. I'll surely be watching Sassuolo in the coming weeks. Um, and Burak Yilmaz as well, who who although he's, he got a few offside decisions against him and he missed the penalty, I guess you can't teach an old dog new tricks. And we just have to put up with the fact that Borak will keep doing this over and over again, frustrating us time and time again. But he'll still keep scoring. So until someone better comes along, I'm afraid we're stuck with Borak Yilmaz. I think he's only had like two offsides uh, in the Besiktas shirt, actually, which I've been oh, very really? surprised. Yes. What, two offsides? I suppose in what, four In games? like eight matches. Oh, really? Okay. Yes, it's it's okay, astounding. That's, yeah. that's, that's better than I thought. He had 20, in, 20 yeah. and 7 <laughs> games for Trabzonspor this season. <laughs> but that's because teams, they, they park the bus. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. But, it, there, it, but were there... It, two goals were disallowed, right? Uh, one from Burak was disallowed against Albania. I missed that one, actually. But uh, Umut said it was not offside. Uh, do you guys recall whether it was or not? Um, no, I just got in my notes. It was a great, it was a great finish once again, despite being offside. So I couldn't see the offside uh, clearly in, in the uh, when I watched it again. Um, I was just going to say, as, as a kind of a, a light criticism of uh, of Chernobyl's team selection, I was disappointed, like like a lot of people were, not to see Ozan Kabak make his debut for the Turkish national team. Yeah, yeah was he injured? I heard. Um, I know he was on a bench for Albania. But not starting him against Moldova, there was talk of him being injured. I read a few reports, so not sure if that is true or not. And and if so, I would say it's probably right not to risk him for fear of his club being angry. But I don't know. Do we have any games now until the next two fixtures in June, or is is that no. it now? That's it, if I'm not mistaken. So I, I you both, I think everyone is kind of in agreement though that Mahmoud Tegdemir was. Quite impressive as a defensive midfielder, should, or the holding midfielder, should I say? Does this, in your opinions, with with Okayokushlu, with Mahmoud Tegdemir, I mean, is is a, is a call for Mehmet Topal still necessary in, in in the coming periods, or is it time to close that chapter? No, ab- absolutely not. I think his expiry date, his his, his, ca- 
come a long time ago. What about you, uh, Bruno? What do you think? I absolutely agree, honestly. That's not a surprise because uh, just watching the league games, you can see that uh, his role, uh, Mahmoud's, in Bashakshir's victory is very, very important because he's the man that gets all the balls that go to Emre Bello's hole, that then makes a register role. And then uh, what happens next is like usually a run by Yadin Dish and that's like a team play. Yeah. But even, actually, even, even in Emre's absence, we've seen that before in, in, previ- in the previous two seasons when Emre wasn't around, they struggled. But now with, with Irfan Jan and Mahmoud, uh, together, Absolutely. even that works fine. So I think it yeah, also yeah, speaks to Yeah, yeah, because Ifranjan is like uh, stepping in a very interesting way because he was like uh, supposed to be a striker. Honestly, I was believing uh, that he was going to be like uh, ten, new, yeah. probably not Burak Yilmaz, but something like that in that role. But actually, he's getting more and more into the midfield. So he's becoming uh, close to the role of Emre Belozolo originally. Because Abdullah just saw that in him, and we have always to pay tribute to this coach. Because even though uh, this is not the best Bashakshi, honestly, guys, not this season. We, you also yeah, talked about that also at the Black Eagles podcast. Uh, I heard that. And yeah, many I thought they were better two also, years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were much, much better. But actually, uh, you can always see that kind of uh, little genius that you don't see in many Turkish coaches nowadays and also many other coaches that are there in Turkey. And you always see the things from Abdullah J. He has the time. He has also the not the pressure to think about those moves. Because if he does uh, like that at Besiktas, everybody would be, why do you use, like, not Güven Yalcin? You put it, him in the midfield instead of Özyakub. Everyone would be super angry, even if he, like, plays his first match. That's normal. You have pressure. You have uh, supporters that are pushing you uh, every single minute. In Besiktas, things are different uh, for the positive and for the negative, as you already talked about mm-hmm. many times. So, uh that's maybe something positive uh, for Ifan Jan. He had the time to grow up and to improve his role. And maybe we are going to see him more constantly. With uh, uh, Okai Yokushlu, because Okai is fundamental, in my opinion. So, uh, Shinol will have uh, many choices yeah. and many arrows, many different tactics to. Uh, Show because you, if you are playing against Iceland, you can't give them all the midfield with two strikers. So probably you're gonna have to feel the three midfielders in the middle to avoid to have too much pressure from the uh, players from Iceland because this is like the next big match. Everything depends on yeah, Iceland is, against Turkey. If Turkey do not lose in Iceland, I think they have a fantastic chance for qualification. But We've seen in the previous two or even three campaigns because we apparently were uh, joined by the by the hip with Iceland and we played them every qualification campaign. We had that with Croatia for a while too. Um, it seems that if we can finally manage to not lose in Iceland, uh, we we have a decent shot. Um, but before we move on, Burak, Mehmet Topal, what do you think? This chapter at the national team is it time to draw that to a close? I think so, yes. I think it, even watching him in Euro 2016 play as a centre-half because we had no one there, 
he's he's been a good servant. Um, he had a great tournament in two thousand and eight. I just think it's time to hang up your boots, let the the new generation take over. Uh, you've done your bit for the national team. Concentrate on your club football now. Yeah, and with Mary Demaral with Ozan Kabak with even you know Khan Ihan might not be up to that level of talent, but he's a solid contributor too. Um, and and who am I missing? Uh, oh yeah, Charles Soinj. Of course, we have a good generation of central defenders coming up. There's still that option for Amer Toprak should we need it. So Mehmet Topal really isn't needed there either. Uh, I'm not saying he can be called up anymore, but I'm kind of worried that if he is called up and he is fit, that he'll play over other players that I think at this point have proven that they should be playing. Um, but I think we've said quite enough about the national team. Uh, wasn't yeah, We I weren't planning on going super long on the national team. So let's move on to what we're here for, for the meat and potatoes of this episode. We're going to talk about the potential return of the foreign limit. <laughs> so we we got rid of this t terrible thing, this terrible blight on Turkish football just four years ago in 2015. Finally, the Turkish, uh, the foreign limit was lifted. And for the first time in my memory, at least, because I, I can't remember a time when there wasn't a foreign limit. And for the majority of time that I recall, the foreign limit was always six foreigners on the on on the pitch and two on the bench and then later that evolved into six plus two plus two which meant six on the pitch two on the bench two in the stands uh, and then i think later even it became six plus two plus four and then suddenly i think in 2013 they decided oh wait you know what six oh let's make it five let's uh Let's, Five let's make plus it, three. Yeah, yeah, let's let's make it even more difficult. Um, and what we did see, I think, with that was always a lack of consistency in Europe. I think when, when we we saw the lifting of the the foreign limit, we immediately saw Besiktas doing really well in Europe, um, and and that's kind of come to a halt now due to financial reasons. But I don't think those are really tied into the the foreign limit either. Um, I think actually those go back way. Because of the foreign limit, actually, uh, I think we now see Galatasaray, Fenerbahce, Besiktas in, in tremendous financial difficulties because for years they paid top dollar for mediocre Turkish talent. For years they paid top wages for mediocre Turkish talent. And that all added up. And at this point, it's come to, to a point where it's just, you know, the, the pot is boiling over. But I think it's... It, it, we were very hard pressed. It would have been better, perhaps, if we could have found someone who was very pro Turkish uh, for a foreign limit in Turkish football. But I'm afraid we couldn't find anyone. So what we did do was we gathered a bunch of quotes from uh, famous Turkish uh, coaches, players, journalists uh, who are mainly pro. And uh, Burak is going to read them for you, so you can uh, hear them, and then we can react to them. Um, that's basically the format of this uh of this segment so brooke i'm going to throw to you first can you select a random quote from the tall hat and 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 throw it at us please yes yeah, so i'm just going to start with this very short gem from semich kaya now this was from 2015 so when the limit was restricted, but I'm not too sure if it was when it was the five plus three rule. But simply, our friend Semih Kaya says, Banjit bir yabancı olmalı. 
which translates as I think there should only be one foreign player allowed. So, <laughs> uh. <laughs> yeah, that's that's that's, fu- that's quite. I, you know, I don't want to. I w- don't want to turn this into have a dig at whoever says something stupid. But that, that's 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 quite rich for someone who couldn't cut it in the Czech league. Um, yeah, bravo! Can we can can we have some canned laughter here when we edit this later on? Uh, but uh, Burak, could you maybe just uh, do the translation? Just skip the Turkish, because otherwise we're going to make it even longer. <laughs> okay. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah, not at all. So we've had that one from Semith. That was back in 2015. So this have one that is a lot more recent, actually. So this is January 2018, and this is from Barış Yardımcı of Bursaspor, and. In essence, he's saying the high number of foreigners are stopping the emergence of Turkish players. So, and he goes on to say, instead of 14, if you were to do eight with six on the pitch and two on the bench, it would be a lot better, aka going back to the, the old system. And then he also goes on to say, the the influx of foreign players are harming are harming us um and it goes on to say they're taking our places so if you imagine that south park episode they took our jobs yeah but we can we can agree with it they are taking their places yeah of course they're That's taking their, their 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 i mean yeah. a guy like Baris Yardimji might actually be earning 1.4 million euros sitting on the bench at Galt's Rai right now if it wasn't for this foreign limit being lifted so i completely understand where he is coming from but for the good of the quality of the league and even for the quality of the turkish national team his point is completely selfish and is, has absolutely no relevance to the quality of turkish football as a whole i i i, I get where he's coming from but he's just being a selfish dick. Yeah, brother. And you expect the people who are actually in charge of the game, the guys at the TFF, to have the good of the game uh, yeah. as their number one agenda. And even even the fact that they we're even discussing this ridiculous return to this archaic xenophobic system is such a joke and just shows that the people who are on the show have no respect or care for the, uh, for the for the development of Turkish football. And, and if you know anyone that has ever played in, in the Turkish youth academy system that is not from Turkey, I, I have a couple of friends who have played uh, in, in, at the Turkish youth level, and I've always heard from them too, like how hos- hostile the, the, the players are in those young academy teams towards anyone from outside because it is literally, look at it like this, they are taking our spots. And it's... I think it's a very wrong mentality. I understand it, but and I and I, you know what? I I would maybe respect it if it wasn't for this inert complacency and laziness that Turkish players have. It's not like 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 African players who do everything they can to make it to Europe and 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 work very hard to get there. And Brazilian players or, or many South American players, no Turkish players, they just want to get to those 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 big couple of clubs so they can get a big fat contract and then they want to sit on their ass. And it's not true for for all of them, but it's true for a great many lot and and definitely a couple that we're going to hear in a while here uh, from from uh, quotes from from Burak. But Bruna, sorry for cutting you off. Was there another a point you wanted to make in 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 regards to uh, the, their spots being taken? 
There's a point I want to make. I want to use a special quote from a guy named Emmanuel Adebayor, because when I met him personally in 2017 or 18, I don't remember exactly when it was, probably one year ago, he told me one thing about Turkish players in the gym compared to the foreigners in the gyms of uh, Başakşehir I'm talking about, of course. And that the club, both him and other players, also uh, to make them as example for the youth setup and for the Turkish players that were there. And that's also an interesting point, in my opinion, because usually we hear about these signings by Turkish clubs, like old players like Dembaba, Debayar, and uh, probably, well, Dembaba, that's not the best example, also Robinho, but Adebayor is the example because he told me that, so that's probably true, that the club bought him in order to improve the mentality of the Turkish player. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah so I think he even had a quote. Those. I think he even said something in regards of, of how lazy Turkish players are. Exactly, yes. Yeah. That's what he said before and that's like my question came about that mm -hmm. because it was... I wanted to hear if that was like um, mistakenly taken by his word, but you really, really meant that. Yeah. So it's, he even said further that really, yeah, really, uh, the club wanted to uh, buy many, many foreign players, and they will keep on doing that because they need examples for the players that are there. That like, for example, Gaëtlich he stays there until late. Adebayor is there until late, and for example, the only player uh, from with Turkish nationality that was staying there was Genghis there. Mm -hmm. So that says. But, but if you if you look now, for example, Başakşehir is a great example. I think they have a lot of foreigners and, and and quite high quality foreigners. But when you see, they also have some Turkish players that are very important. But what we see with those Turkish players is they're all really good quality players. So Mahmoud, we spoke about Mahmoud Tekdemir before. We spoke about em Emre, of course. But we spoke about Mahmoud Tekdemir, who's 27, 28. But he's a product of Başakşehir. We spoke about Irfan Cankavici. Of course, he comes from Genshterbeli, but he's been developing further at, at Başakşehir too. And now we see that those that Turkish cream is rising to the top. So the players that are actually good enough and have the right work ethics, they're making it and they're playing in that team. The reason that Galatasaray are playing 11 foreigners is not because they don't want to play any Turks. It's because their Turks are complacent little shits that don't work hard enough to get the spot in the first team. Except for maybe Emre Agbaba. And yes, I'm throwing punches here, but that's the truth. You know, why, is, why are Galatasaray fielding 11 foreigners? It's not because they don't want to field Turkish players. It's because those Turks don't have the right mentality and they just want to sit on their ass like... What's his name? Tarek Chamdal, who's been making, who's, who's made 5 million euros the last couple of years without playing a single match. And, and of course, that's great. And of course, a guy like Baris, uh, guys like Baris Yardimji are angry now with this foreign limit being lifted because they see their opportunity for going to Galtz, right? For going to Besiktas, for going to Fenerbahce and getting a big, fat, juicy contract and sitting for the, and being, being set for life, basically, because we've seen it so many times in the past decade with guys like uh, Vesel Sare, with guys like, um, who, who did I just name, uh, Tarek Chamdal, uh, Serdar Kesimal, um, Serdar Öztürk, uh, Cesar Öztürk, sorry. But I mean, there's plenty of examples of those guys that didn't make it 
and they went from a, from a relatively big club in Anatolia to, to one of the top teams, got a big contract and then never made it. And some of them, like Memetopoulos, they never made it really, but they at least they kept working hard until the day they stopped playing. But then there's other examples of players that just raved in the cash. And I, I remember this one video of, I believe it was... I'm, it was were two Galatasaray players, and they put it on Instagram. And there, there were two guys that were never playing, but were both on really good contracts. And they had this, this, this video on Instagram or on Twitter. I don't remember exactly, like a couple seconds long, where they were had some some bills of of, of money in their hand, and they had like this song playing, money, 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 money. Uh, Do yeah. you remember Good, that? Gekolan was it, and uh, yeah. Gundogan maybe. Yeah, I think, it, I remember I think the those video, were the two. Yeah. I think it was those guys. But, but I think it's just that the lack of uh, competition that this will create would just make the situation yeah. that you've outlined worse and worse and worse. Yeah. But but what I'm curious about is the is actually the rationale for, for trying to bring this back. What is the goal? What are we actually trying I, to achieve? I it? think... Is it success of the league? Is no. it success for individual players? I think players? the idea success is... Success of the national team? I think the, the, the Turkish government wants the money to go the majority of money to go to turkish players because turkish players are more inclined to buy property in turkey are more inclined to invest in local um economy than for example adabayor than baba because they're going to you know adabayor is going to maybe invest in 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 the village in togo he's not going to buy a villa in turkey he's not going to buy property in turkey he doesn't most likely, he's not planning of staying in Turkey once his contract in Başakşehir or wherever he goes after that is up. So that's one of the reasons I've heard that Erdogan wants this foreign limit back because he wants more of that money from the clubs to go mm. back into the Turkish economy. Um, I think the argument of it benefits the national team is bollocks. I mean, we've yeah, seen in two decades, we've seen we've, we've taken part in, in three tournaments. We've missed out on, I don't know, seven or something. Um, in, in, in only three years, we've taken part, or four years now, we've taken part in one tournament already. So that's, you know, already a fraction of what that was. And, and we're seeing now with these two matches against Moldova and Albania, and of course, you know, those are those aren't the strongest opposition, but we have struggled a lot in the past against these types of opposition. And we're seeing now that we're finally starting to reap the rewards a little bit. And we're, we're going into that transitional phase of the next generation. And guys like Ozan Kaba, guys like Meri Demiral, guys like Chalak Soyuncu, Cengiz Under, um, they are the result of the foreign limit being lifted. Not, Indeed, and, and, yeah. and they're, they're, they're even more... More positive results as compared yeah. uh, since then. I, I For mean, example, Okay, 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 Jengis and all these guys—they would not, pro they probably wouldn't be in a top five league now if it weren't for the four limit being lifted because their prices would have been much higher. Maybe Jengis in there because he went for a high fee, but Okay, would never have gone for seven million to Celta de Vigo. He would have probably gone to Fenerbahce or Galatasaray, and the, the asking price would have been higher, and Celta would have probably, uh, you know, said no yeah, thanks. Yeah. And then in addition, that since the foreign rule has been lifted and we've had a free roam and unlimited, well, 14 uh, number of foreigners, mm -hmm. we've had more fans visiting stadiums. The average attendance has gone up to almost 15,000 from about 12 last year. And 12 mm -hmm. itself was a big jump from the pre previous year. Uh, and we had the Kagawa deal with yeah, of course. Mm -hmm. yeah, that's true. That's a true. new broadcaster for three years and a lot of money. In, in fact, Br Br Bruno... Mm -hmm. uh, you mentioned it at the beginning of the show, and I, I hadn't heard the fact that there was a three-year uh, rights had been purchased by, by the Japanese TV station. So I wonder, gents, is that 
a world exclusive for this podcast? Perhaps. That's a, that's I, a, I don't know, a, but I think it's, uh, yeah. I, maybe Bruno I spoke too soon. Be, yeah. <laughs> no, but, 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 but usually contracts that, are like three years long. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's a but, 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 but suddenly, in, in addition to that, of the, the introduction of um, the investment from Bain Sports, so money's pouring into the league from the Qataris now. They should, I, ex I fully expect them to use their, their strong lobbying powers to prevent such a rule from coming in because football is football show business now. They want yeah, a return exactly. in their yes. investment. They're not going to allow the foreign rule to come in and, and stop this progress and stop them getting their money back and yeah. stop them exporting I, the league I, I to other countries. I hope so, but I mean. I mean, Kagawa can still can still play for Besiktas with a foreign limit. I mean, you still have six players that are allowed on the pitch should that return, and, and, and Kagawa would definitely still make the team. Um, but the question is, uh, with Besiktas... The question is, I was reading about another Japanese player that was uh, in the radars of Besiktas. Yeah. yeah. I don't remember the name at the moment, but that's very important if, uh, like, they hit the sign mm -hmm. of the player. That yeah. would be... Like they will, they would go super crazy for that. So uh, that's the point. Being sports are not just buying the league because putting their own money into the league. That's that they're trying to sell the league to other broadcasters mm -hmm. all around the world, where being sports is not present. So that's very important. We always say, Magari, uh, that probably we hate modern football for that, but modern football could save us from a foreign rule. Yeah. Yeah, and we we this. need the money too. I mean, the Turkish clubs are exactly. have a combined what is it, twenty billion or ten billion lira debt, and 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 all three of the big clubs are in deep financial, well, deep financial cesspool. And any <laughs> sorts of money that we can get from outside coming in is is more than welcome. And if, if for example, uh, the Zan Japan is willing to pay a significant amount of money, and that money, at least a percentage of that, goes to the clubs, then that's an advantage. I mean, look, without Bishiktesh signing Kagawa, that deal would have never happened. So obviously, I think that Bishiktesh and Galatasaray should get a, their piece of the pie there, because Nagatomo as well played a role, because the Zan already last year bought the rights to Galatasaray's matches. Now this year, they bought the rights to Bishiktesh's matches. And do you know, Bruno, of these the, the rights that they bought now, is that just for Bishiktesh and Galatasaray, or is that for the entire league now? They are saying that um, probably it's going to be on the next season, of course, because this is like yeah. yes, of course, just yes. uh, the first phase. But from the next season, it could be four matches per, uh, per, per match day. That would be Oh, huge that's quite significant. It's like, but it, it's just in definition. Anyway, uh, I think uh, two matches are mandatory, of course. Mm -hmm. And then for matches, it depends on the placeholder. So because it's like uh, yeah. also that's on its uh, like growing platform. So yeah. uh, it's in a but, kind of a big uh, worldwide testing phase. But we've already it's, seen the interest in the Turkish league go up with the, the you know B, the BN acquisition. Uh, now in in, US, in the US, the matches are being broadcast on BN USA, and now of course also in, in Canada Japan as well. In Canada, it goes yeah. also on the zone. I can say. Mm -hmm. Because I have also the subscription, and this is the lucky part of working into a company. I also <laughs> have the subscription at the Canada uh, account, and they uh, have a deal with Bean Sports mm -hmm. uh, that directly they show the Bean Sports channel, so they can show like uh, uh, they usually show the Shikash matches because they have uh, Atibachinson. But that's the point. That uh, anyway, uh, you always have like uh, one or two weekly matches. 
And when they broadcast the free free between Besiktas and Fenerbahce, they went crazy because it was an amazing match. Yeah, of match. course, and propaganda for football. I mean, I might have not liked that match as much as, uh, exactly. as you guys did, but it, yeah. it's, it's, I mean, and of course, I mean, Kagawa's debut against Antalya Sport it wasn't the more perfect way for to introduce the Japanese public to the Turkish league. Or, or Besiktas at least, I mean, it's a little presumptuous of me to say the Turkish League, because obviously many of them would have probably already watched Galatasaray with Nagatomo, but that was a perfect way as well. And, and just the way that the Kagawa's career in Turkey has started as well, you know, three goals, one assist in a, in a very limited amount of minutes. It's a great way for him to get back into the limelight and get back maybe into the in the Japanese national team. I believe he's yeah, also going to the Copa America. Yeah, might improve. It's just like uh, thinking uh, as a Serie A are also thinking right now, uh, like uh, a pro better, better product placements, which is something that mm -hmm. you need to think before. Because when Besiktas uh, Fenerbahce, that is so far the best game of the season, I'm sorry, Khan, but that's exactly oh, what that's I was the like, worst second half I've seen see. all season. What are you talking about? <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> what a customer wants to see when he buys, like, yes, uh, of course, of course. Subscription. So, uh, uh, if you need to broadcast Turkish football, you need those kind of matches, mm -hmm. yeah, definitely. Uh, use those kind of matches while there is a like a Barcelona Real Madrid. I don't remember, there was probably a Chelsea Manchester City or a Manchester City Arsenal, I don't remember, but there was a huge primary game in that moment, so. Uh, that was the reason why uh, Besiktas Fenerbahce did not have the same numbers in Japan as uh, probably Besiktas and Talyaspor. Not just because of uh, Kagawa's goals, but because uh, it was like broadcasted in the, mean, in the same moment, because it was 5, 5 p.m. in Germany. Mm -hmm. And in the Central European but, time. So uh, in uh, But even even uh, the Antalya Spore Besiktas match did uh, record numbers for Zan. Yeah, right. yeah, because it was uh, it was in the in an hour uh, in which there was like it was the first match of Kagawa, so there was like a hype of that. So mm -hmm. they built up uh, like uh, the match pretty well, but there were, there was nothing else uh, at that moment scheduled. So it was the biggest uh, match in that moment, and everyone was like curious about that. And also, uh, it, it's like uh, Netflix. As platform, yeah. so you, you can, you can, you can see the match, watch it on uh, demand even later. So, even if the derby did not have the best numbers in the live uh, session, it had great, great numbers in the catch up sessions. So, I can say that's like a new way to see sports. It's interesting to be part of it because you see, like, uh, like the, the building. I mean, these, these many of these foreigners are, are getting. Uh, more eyes on the Turkish football product, and that's going to benefit Turkish football in the long run. Yeah, too, yeah and I know there are talks of other possible countries, so I hope that they do not uh, yeah. introduce once again the foreign limit, because uh, all those countries that are maybe lining up now to buy the league, they will disappear. Yeah, and that's from someone who works in the sector, yeah, who has exactly. a professional I can opinion assure on you this. About that. That's yeah. like I would put like uh, my money on it because well, well we actually can... it's uh, in, not in theory. Uh, that's also part of my money and my career is going to it. We we can just end the podcast right here and send this recording over to be in sports and hopefully they say <laughs> no. Exactly, I would really really, uh, really uh, say that many times as uh, 
also mm -hmm. bias part in this because I, that's also uh, <laughs> if I can like talk with uh, people in Italy like uh, okay guys are you interested in buying the Turkish league uh, because there are these players also are you interested in buying at, uh, the Turkish league oh there is the news this new limits so all the foreigners are like go, <laughs> okay we could we can buy like the Dutch league instead yeah that's sure. what they can answer me so uh, actually um, that's very important but and, let's uh, hear a couple more of these quotes of the yeah. people that are in favor of a foreign limit burak it's uh, time for you to speak again because you've been so quiet yes yeah, so i've been listening intensely to your conversation gentlemen and looking for my my next quote so i think the next one i'm gonna go to the uh, president of trabzonspor ahmed aulu uh, who says that themselves Rizespor. Bursa Sport, Gerstepe and Azerum Sport want the foreign player limit dropped to eight. And he says, our job is to work and develop the youth of, of Turkey. So that's why he says they want the foreign limit to be slowly reduced. But if we look at these teams, so let's just look at these teams that say they want the foreign limit reduced to eight. And I'm going to tell you how many foreign players they have in their teams. So Rizespor currently have 16 foreigners. Gerstepe currently have 15 foreigners, one of which is Cameron Jer Jerome, who needs to get in the bin. Um, you also have Azurumspor, 12 foreigners. Trabzonspor themselves, who are producing lots of great Turkish young players. You've got the two Abdul Qadirs, you've got the goalkeeper, you've got Yusuf Yazaju and more. They've got 11 foreigners in their squad, so three of them would have to go. And then you have Bursa Sport, who have uh, 10 foreigners. And I, I don't believe I mentioned Akisar. Akisar have got 12. I'm not sure if Akisar were in the list given by Ahmed Aul of Trabzonspor. But, mm -hmm. but there we go. He is in favour of reducing the limit to eight, despite having 11 in his team so, at the moment. So his... his ar yeah, but, I, you know, that's, that's, a, that's a different thing. But his argument is we want to reduce it so because we want to develop Turkish players. So then my question is, who is stopping you from doing so with a without a foreign limit? Nobody is stopping you from fielding Turkish players, right? Nobody is stopping you from going out there and fielding 11 Turkish players. So what he's essentially saying, what I'm understanding about this is we cannot compete if we play all Turks against teams that play all foreigners, because then clearly the quality of the foreigners is higher or, or what. But doesn't that make those Turks better then? And, and you know, I think Trabzonspor is a bit of a bad example because they are one of the few teams, and Bursaspor too, but Trabzonspor are one of the few teams that are really developing really great grade-A talents. Um, and and I, I understand for... A, I, I understand... I would have a lot more sympathy if he was honest and just said, look, we are a team with a good youth set up, for us, it would be better if the foreign limit was reduced because it gives us more of an opportunity at success. I would respect that and I would completely understand that. I think uh, that. that's the point for Trabzon. Trabzon, they would like to have that because they mm -hmm. would be in a uh, first position when uh, there will be like the transfer market. They will just need to sell some players and then they would need not to buy big players or they will need to sell like Yazidji to Galatasaray for 30 million of uh, euros because that's just how the market would work because I can't think about how Yusuf Yasuji could cost with a foreign limit for example or Abdul Kadir Umir. it's just they would be uh, making lots of money uh, in a short term they could 
even compete for the league. That's but fine. who can afford those guys? I mean, look, Besiktas can't afford Yusuf they would not. even so now. So they would fight for, for, for the league. That's the yeah, point. They, that's maybe. a way they would see uh, how to win the league. I just uh, can understand their point for that. Yeah, I, I, under, I completely yeah, yeah. understand and I respect their position and I, I can even respect but it. then exactly. he needs That's to say it then he needs to call an apple an apple and not call it a pear because he's just talking bullshit right now and sorry if for you just all watch my... the standings yeah and if you see the standings and mm, the precedents that we're talking about those foreign limits you can just see why they uh, were talking like that I believe because you see Bursaspor in big trouble uh, but that's the reason for the reason for actually they're quite amazing, so I don't understand that. Also, they have a good coach. They, yeah, but uh, they they did really poor in the first half of the season. In the first they half, have, they, they were have, really they have, really risking going yeah. down, and they have so gotten actually, a, Akisar, the same amount of points now. Gone. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, they're gone. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I can understand these clubs, for sure. Uh, definitely clubs like Erzurum Spor, who probably can't afford expensive foreigners. Um, at least, you know, I mean, they have a couple like Obertan, I'm sure he earns a decent amount of money. But I can completely understand these teams that they cannot afford more expensive and quality foreign players. But um, maybe then, instead of, of arguing for a foreign limit, argue for a wage cap. And make the wage cap relative to the income and out you know, the incoming and outgoing expenses of a club. So then, for example, let's say Erzurum Sports wage cap would be I'm just saying something 600,000 euros for Galatasaray. Its wage cap could be I'm just saying something one and a half million euros. Just saying something, random numbers. But we, maybe instead of arguing for a foreign limit, argue for a wage cap. That way. You keep everything in control, and you and, and, and implementing a four limit will just uh, increase the wages that the Turks are going to earn. If you have a wage cap, you limit the amount of players that or, or allocated wages. Like for example, in the MLS, where you have a wage cap, but you have like exceptions. Like for example, Galatasaray's wage cap could be one half million, but they can have like two or three exceptions where they can offer more for for an exceptional player. Like for example, Wesley Schneider or something. And for Bistech, for a guy like Agawa, you know, where you can have this exception, kind of like they do in the MLS, where there's the league kind of monitors it, and I don't want to go Actually, to an MLS system. I would but... use the exception option for uh, the players from the youth setup of the club, mm. which would be interesting, I think. Like, you can um, spend uh, this amount of money for a foreign player, but if this player comes from Besiktas youth setup, you can just spend whatever you want for him to keep him at home. And that's no problem oh, for them. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Also, so basically, um, basically saying that clubs and sport can player number, you can introduce like uh, players from the youth setup number, hmm. like for the bench. I don't know uh, between bench and the pitch. But then, but I don't know. But then you create an, a situation where again you're kind of limiting the opportunity of a, of a of a Turk to go abroad, and I think ultimately the only way for Turkish football but to I didn't, move forward. I didn't say uh, like on the pitch just on the bench at least like you you need to use uh, three slots uh, for your like your setup so uh, you have those players there and they can go on the pitch sometimes it's not just oh okay so you don't mean in terms of wages 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, just like uh, free oh, yeah, places yeah. on the bench needs to be reserved to the players of the Yossi Top. Of course. For oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. But I think there's always something anything. like that. Um, yeah, and yeah. I think that instead of doing a foreign limit, you could say, look, you don't. there's no foreign limit, but there have to be at least three Turks at all times on the pitch. That way, effectively, you're only allowed to field eight foreigners, but you can you can still have a bunch on, on, on the bench too. And there's not this silly thing where, you know, if you have ten foreigners, two of them have to sit in the stands because you're likely paying foreigners a decent amount of wage but another thing what you could do is p implement a minimum wage for foreigners they have this in holland for example where i'm not sure what the minimum wage is but let's say that's six hundred thousand euros so then clubs are not going to be very inclined to attract foreigners unless they're actually decent quality actually i don't agree with this Yes, I understand too, because then you because cannot get like, talents. Because it's like could not buy uh, Jagne. Yeah, true, true. Uh, and Jagne was amazing for the league, so mm -hmm. uh, actually I would be like, uh, you can put a maximum, but not a minimum, because uh, yeah. if you have yeah. a, like a minimum, you can't like have a good scouting system, yeah, you yeah. just can buy true. super players. That's the point. But maybe or all, all these things are like... Uh, born from this mentality, I don't know if those people that uh, wanted to uh, have a foreign rule, they have this uh, youth mentality. I, I think the mentality is mainly they want to keep the yeah. money in, in a certain circle. Yeah, yeah, that's the problem. So probably uh, putting the problem in that perspective, I would think like, uh, first of all, uh, let's see who's going to be the president of the federation because... Yeah. There is no president of the federation. Why should? Be <laughs> but does it really problems? matter who the president of the federation is when the when the when the government when the president of of the country and when when uh, the, the the head of one of the biggest parties uh, just says how a match should end and stuff. Okay, like but that. if we, uh, we think also about that, they would also uh, have many agreements with Qatar. Qatar are like the owners of the Turkish football league, honestly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, they will ruin a friendship, in my opinion. Also Indeed, I agree. So, money talks. So as money talks, as and that's our hope. Incredibly, lobby so. hard enough, it will be fine. As long as they do their bit for the league. Let's uh, let's move over to the next quote, please, yeah. Barack. Right here we go. I'm gonna go for one of our favorite men. This time I'm going to I'm looking to Botohan Karadenis, once of uh, Besiktas, and he says um, this is back in 2017 as well in August. So one of the points he makes is even if I score 30 goals, I will get the same money, and he didn't he hasn't scored 30 goals since he came onto the scene in 07-08. So I'm not sure what he's saying now. And he then goes on to say that when I'm watching the Turkish league, it looks like I'm watching the French league or the, the African league. And then he goes on to say there aren't enough centre-forwards coming out of Turkey, mentioning players like Negrand, Negredo and Soldado, saying it's nice that they're here, but with these players there needs to be success mm -hmm. and then he's saying when you have this amount of foreign players that are allowed in you want to expect success and he means success in terms of the club teams he goes on to say that 
the last time a Turkish team won the UEFA Cup was with Galatasaray and foreign ruling was different back then but obviously that was a different era of football as well but his main points he says he talks about money a lot mm-hmm. um, he talks about there not being a great deal of centre forward to come out of Turkey he mentions Cenk Tosun is the only one that's moved uh, used abroad and he came from Germany indeed so you know what, what can you say but, so the, the the main thing Badahan is um, moaning about is is money yeah. and the fact that there have been no centre forwards that come out and I think we mentioned before the pod start this is a kid that had the world at his feet he had all the talent he was he's still only 27 he could be that forward right now he, if he, he put his if he put in the effort and, and showed the right mentality He's just grown his ass bigger by eating Iskandar from God knows where. Um, can't blame him there. It's delicious. It cl- true, but a classic example of just a really bad mentality from um, a Turkish player and a talent gone to waste, which is just a shame to see because he could have been setting the Turkish league alight by the time he was in his his early 20s if he had just... He, he should be in his prime right now. These are his prime years. He's, he's from 1993, if I'm not mistaken, right? Or is he 1991? I think 1993. And uh, these are his prime years because he should... He's 26, 27 now, I guess. Um, or am I mistaken? Is he not 1991? But even if he's from 1991, he's like 28 right now. Then this, these are the years for a striker that they should be peaking, and he's now down somewhere in what is it, second or third league, uh, third division. I think he's playing for Shanluhfa maybe or Girishun. I'm not sure. He's playing he's somewhere a, uh, in the second Sa- division. Sakarya Sport. Oh, Sakarya. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And he he is uh, he is 27 year old. He's still young. He he could be in his prime. Yeah. Football, but sadly, he's in his prime bullshit state right now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, you can complain as much as you want about not enough tur- uh, strikers coming out of the Turkish league, but you are this generation. You should have been this generation striker. Um, we have Enes Unal, who is playing abroad. Okay, maybe he's not really there yet where we need him to be, but there's still potential there. And then there's Cenk Tosun, who's, you know, in a situation, but like... Look, even before when we did have the foreign limits, who did we really have since Hakan Shukur? Who have we had? Fatih Teke for a brief while, but he never really got that much of a chance for the national team. Then there was Safer Biryol, Okan Yilmaz, Serkan Aykut. Those guys weren't Turkish national team material either. They might have been top scorer in the league, but they were, a, you know, average to mediocre players that could have never made it at the top teams and never did. Zafar Biryol tried, never made it. Um, Okan, Bir- uh, Okan Yilmaz just fell off the wagon at, 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 at a certain point. Um, Serkan could try that Galtry and failed. Nihat. You know, you've got Nihat as maybe an, an example. Who... Yeah, okay, Nihat, yeah. But he made it abroad, but he had terrible injuries. But um, that's... that's but that's again, that's a generation away. I mean, I don't think that a foreign limit impacts this. I mean, if we look now at the Turkish teams, or even in the past five years, is there a, a young striker that we could have said maybe he could have been more than he was? I mean, there was Muhammad Demir a couple of years ago, but I mean, do you really think that a one meter seventy five tall striker could have been Turkish number nine? I, I he didn't have the build. 
there just isn't that right now. We have Adam, you know, guys like Adam Bjork don't have the build. We, we. I keep on seeing Justin Esunal as possible yeah. striker, but he didn't like yet manage to find like continuity and also the right team. He keeps on moving, and that's not positive on the long. Yeah, term. I mean, I, he did great in Twente, but I heard some, I heard some less than flattering things about him when he was at Genk. Uh, I also think he kind of has the Turkish big head syndrome, uh, perhaps, and something that a lot of young Turks have, unfortunately. Uh, and I think that's something we saw with Arda too. Arda did amazing at Atletico, then earned his big transfer to Barcelona, and suddenly it was, here I am, I'm Barcelona's player, I'm I'm the greatest of all time. And he got a big head and he fell off the wagon. And and Arda is in, in a point in his career right now where he should be leading the national team, but instead he's he's just come off an 11-match ban. He's he's uh, what was it? Uh, getting in fights in nightclubs because he's hitting on people's wives. And oof, I also have a poster here in my room, and I can see like a, a French newspaper I have from the 2016 uh, European Championship and it's written like La Folle Semaine d'Emre Mort in Francais, mm-hmm. which is basically the crazy week of Emre Mort that was called up uh, on a surprise and then it was uh, almost starting against Croatia. I was there at Turkey, Croatia in Paris at the Parc des Princes. And oh, me Emre too, Mort Bruno. Was the, like the starting 11, yeah. It was an amazing atmosphere. And... Uh, Emre Mor uh, is the butt with the national team, and it was incredible in that yeah. match. It, great, think. great start for him too. But also someone who got a got and got, then got a big uh, hit. we also we also the, his photo with his chair, his golden chair at his house in Vigo, and yeah, he's not playing anymore. That, like, that, yeah. That's yes, something we saw so much with, with time and so much talent. It's incredible. But that's something we saw with with Batuhan Karadinis too, and with Mohamed Demirci, the Turkish, you know, the next, the, the Turkish Messi. We saw this when these kids they're 18 and they're driving Lamborghinis, Ferraris, and yes, this is a this is a thing that most young stars have across Europe. But apparently, Turks seem to be much less capable of dealing with that. And I know that that in Europe, especially in England and Belgium, in, in the more uh, modern leagues there's a lot of money also invested in um, guidance for these young players L- learning them to cope with uh, to, 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 to cope with money invest uh, in portfolio stuff like that agents even do that for them but in Turkey I don't know it just seems to be this I think it's a, a part of the culture perhaps but also the mentality I and, and I can't help but feel that all these arguments up till now, like Burak already pointed out, it all revolves around keeping the money within the circle of those Turkish players and just keep each other rich, basically. I haven't heard uh, a single valid argument so far. So, Burak, please find us an argument that, that makes some sense and is not about money. That is going to be like finding an old Galatasaray game in which Arif Erdem didn't dive Almost impossible. <laughs> that was a little little joke there for for Aussie. Oh, um, indeed. Good. And just on the subject of strikers, we need to touch on Ahmed Kutucu, the under nineteen Turkish international who was didn't play in the under nineteen Turkish team supposedly due to illness, 
I know Germany have got tabs on him. He's having a bit of an emergence at Schalke. So potential there maybe for a striker to come through the ranks, but I'll need to wait and see if he decides to play for Turkey or play for Germany there. But as you mentioned, Khan, looking for uh, looking through my quotes for a pro foreigner limit I've got here, it's players are mainly saying it's limiting and hindering the emergence of the young Turkish players, which we've argued already on this this podcast so far that that's it's just not the case. I mean. Yeah. The I don't think we've ever seen as many young, talented Turks in the national team as we do right now. I mean, we haven't seen it since since the the mid '90s. I think when that whole Galt's right generation basically made the national team, and and the national team ex- consisted out of uh, mainly Galt's right and Bishtesh players, but and Trabzon. But I mean, we haven't seen that the last two decades, so I don't get that argument. Um, but uh, you know what, Burke? Maybe just shoot some quick rapid-fire quotes at us, so people get uh, get 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 more of an idea of where these pro voices are coming from. We have one here from Savit Chitting, who says uh, Louis Dama and Markel aren't bad footballers. But if it was me, I'd play Semikaya. I am against the. I'm against foreign players. Is is what he just said straight up? Just said it like that. You've got Yeftokul, <laughs> good old Sadovet, you know. Um, AKA, I, that's basically saying I am racist in a different way. It c- could be, yeah. So that's um, uh, oh, the old um, national team centre half. I mean, if, I, if I was in charge of Galtari, I would play Semikaya too, but yeah. That's just because I want them to... Only because not... we're going to concede more goals. <laughs> yes, only because I don't want you to finish second. Yeah. <laughs> I want to finish second, damn it. Uh, the hidden agenda comes out again. Um, we have one from a Sajuk Shahin. Um, old Fenerbahce stalwart from 2017. This is after we had lost, Turkey had lost 2-0 to Ukraine in a World Cup qualifying match. And he says after this, this foreign rule came in, a.k.a. Um, 14 in, in the squad, um, he said after this rule came in, Turkish players failed to get more opportunities. But, you know, he couldn't get ahead of <laughs> Christian Baroni. Um, in the Fenerbahce team, so it's not a case of foreigners and, and lim- limiting. It's a case of you not being good enough, um, Sajuk. So that was another. Oh, Sajuk Shahin. Sajuk Shahin. Yeah. Um, so again, saying the, the influx of foreigners is stopping Turkish players from actually getting playing time, and this is why they can't perform when they get called up to the national team. If if they're good enough, they'll play. That's the point. I mean, look at Emre Agbaba. He's good enough. He plays for Galatasaray. Exactly. At, it's not yeah. a case of... Cenk Tosun was good enough. He played. Um, you know, Ozan Ozyakup was good enough for a long time and played until he fell off the face of the earth. And and, and now Güven Yalçin, a young player, he's playing because he's he's showing some signs of potential. Dorokan Tokus, he's a young player. He's playing because he's good enough. And because... Shinal Gunish didn't have any other choice at some point, but now his talents are shining through, and I, I thought he was pretty good against Mold- Moldavo, by the way. But um, no, I mean, I think there's plenty of players still coming through, 
but the, the, the only difference is now they're playing because they're actually good enough, not, they're not playing because they are the only option a la Ismail Koibashe, you know. Please continue, sorry to interrupt. No worry, and the other one I've got here is from Yekta Kurtulush, and he's pretty much gone down the Sarvet Chetin slash Selchuk Shahin route, saying the foreigners in the Turkish league are limiting the Turkish players from being able to play. Again, the argument is if the Turkish players were good enough, they would be playing. It's not a case of we want to play foreign players for the sake of playing them. The clubs are playing them because of their footballing talent and they're actually performing better than the Turkish players. So instead of whining and moaning about the fact you're not getting game time, put put the working on the training ground or accept that you're just not good enough for that particular Yeah, but I mean, to be fair, I mean, to serve at Chetin and Selçuk Şahin, I mean, if there was still a foreign limit, they'd probably still be playing at 40-something years old. <laughs> no, but I mean, are you guys noticing a pattern yet in, in the profiles of these players so far, by the way, except for maybe Servet? Are you not? Are you guys picking up on the on the profile? So far, these are all players that are were either not good enough to be a starter, or yeah, basically. yeah. These guys have a chip on their shoulder, and they're resentful of the fact that they couldn't cut it. So they're lashing out and getting back in the news just by slagging off foreign players. Really. I mean, except for Servet, who was at one point a couple of years was a f- fabulous defender at Galatasaray. True, but, true. But uh, Selçuk was never more than a water carrier, somebody who was used off the bench as, as an alternative. Uh, well, he was never a full-fledged, you know, starter. Uh, yeah. Baris Yardimje, there's a reason I, I, he, he's playing for Bursaspor. Yeah. Uh, who else did we have so far in terms of quotes? Batuan Karadin has never made it because... You know, he got a big head and and, and and was very lazy and had a poor work ethic. Uh, so, con- please continue with these quotes, uh, Burak. And, uh, yeah, I mean, if you can find somebody more high profile who actually had a fantastic career uh, to speak against it, uh, yeah, I'd, li- I'd love to hear it. We do have another one here. It's actually from a person who has now changed their mind. So, that might be a good thing for our listeners. So, remember we had the quote from Semih Kaya who said, I think the limit should be one. So in the same interview, they were actually interviewing Ol Janadin when he was at Galatasaray, so Fenerbahce youth product. Um, he did well at every other team apart from us, which is the story of our life so far, but I digress. When they asked Ol Janadin about the, the foreign limit, he said there should be a maximum of three. Actually, three is a little bit too much. Those are the words that came out of his mouth in the the interview. <laughs> a, a guy who played his entire career with a with a belly or fatter than mine. Oh, wow! Exactly. God. But recently, that's um, saying something, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Like I say, he recently they came out to defend the foreign rule, saying those of you who are saying the foreign limit should be restricted should also be saying something about the under seventeen, under nineteen tournament that is not being televised in which the Turkish youth team are playing. So it almost seems like he's had a whole idea, in my view, because no one has any idea why this rule is coming in. No one really gives a damn about development. 
football in Turkey. If they did, then they should under nineteen tournament would be televised, or 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 various things would be televised. There'd be more of an interest in youth development and not just that. Yeah, exactly. There should be, you know, look at all. Every week we see these these fines, these massive fines for for swearing. Something you'd see nowhere else in the world. You see these ridiculous fines, which all of our clubs are getting that are in deep financial peril. They're all getting fines week in week out because their fans say 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 bad words. Oh no, they say bad words in the stands, so those clubs get fined. Where does that money go? I would love to see that. Does that money go to youth development at the lowest level? Because that's where you have to start you have to start at the very lowest level you have to invest in pitches proper training facilities for young players proper coaches for young players you have to make football an actual realistic career opportunity for young players because for many people in turkey despite the fact that football is number one um you know number one fascination in terms of football and, and football is big big in turkey despite all that if you go out into the countryside and you don't even have to go to the small villages. Just go to, to to places where people, you know, have to actually work hard for a living. You know, their kids, they, they go to school. And when they talk about playing football, they say, no, study hard and get a good proper job. Because football is not seen as a proper uh, career. And I think if you do handle it more professionally from the, from the lowest level here in Belgium, if you're five or six years old, you can go and join a local club. A club. But when you join that local club, those local clubs have football pitches, those local clubs have youth coaches, those local clubs have proper facilities, they have tr- dressing rooms, all that kind of jazz. And that's at the amateur level. And that's something we're lacking in Turkey. And that's something the Turkish Football Federation should be investing in because those local clubs are the ones that develop the, the players from ages 5 to 11 to 12 once they get start getting swapped up by by the bigger clubs and that's the big fundamental issue we constantly hear about that Besiktas Galatasaray Fenerbahce need to invest more in their youth academy but they also have to get their potential from other places you know Emre Belazolo didn't join Galatasaray at 6 years old he joined them at 12 or 13 or something from I forgot which club but I mean Galatasaray look look at Ajax look at PSV do you think all of their talents come from, from Eindhoven, come from Amsterdam? No, PSV sends out buses to Belgium even, 50, 60, 70, 120 kilometers further to get those kids to go to training and get them to go to the matches. They send out the buses to collect those kids. And that's something that the Turkish clubs could be doing too, Bistaj Galatasaray Fenerbahce, but well, there needs uh, to be... There is like a slight good note on that because things are also improving we also have to mm-hmm. remember where uh, we are coming from uh, there is a german man from the 80s i believe uh, Derval, that came mm-hmm. to uh, turkey and he saw the grass was not on the training pitches yeah. and he was like okay guys you should change everything and then galatasaray uh, started to be like the galatasaray of the 90s like the best team in Turkey for years, and then he set an example for the other also Turkish clubs. What's happening, for example, in Trabzon right now, and in the last years, the results are like visible, but it's uh, uh, work they have been doing for years. They mm-hmm. are like having partnership with all the clubs of the Black Sea coast, like Akçabat, exactly. and all these kind of clubs. They're like uh, building. Um, and, and that's why Trabzonspor have this great yeah. youth setup. Opspor, for example, they even have the colors of Trabzonspor because they are like every single club of the coast of the Black Sea is in close ties with Trabzon. And they have this uh, Dolmusha service for the kids. 
They have lots of things that are pretty impressive. And now they're building a new training center in the like artificial island near the Shinogune Stadium. So basically, uh, what I'm trying to say is that there are good examples. For example, also even female football in Turkey is growing. Uh, there was a report of uh, my old colleagues at TRT World. They went to Hakkari, which is a town uh, like located close to the border with um, Iraq and Iran. And in Akari, there is there is a new team of uh, women football, and like the league is going to be expanded to ten teams, the Super League, the female Super League, and also more money is coming in. So there are like uh, things that are improving all over the country, even in the places you wouldn't think. Uh, but of course, as you said before, Khan, there is lots of uh, work still to do. Yeah. At the, so, fun, at the fun, fun, fun foundation of the fundamental levels need to be improved first. And instead of... This there is are the another, examples anyway. This is just another lazy, quick, supposed quick fix for them. Implementing a foreign limit. Instead of actually doing, the, you know, investing in, in youth. You know, they're, they're building these ridiculously big stadiums everywhere. You know, 40,000 40, seat stadiums for teams that can't even get 15,000 people in the stadium. Uh, instead of putting that type of money in that, invest half of that money, build a 25,000 stadium, build a 30,000 stadium, and invest the rest of that money that you save on that and, and, and invest it in new facilities. By the way, the stadiums are not a bad idea, after all, in a long-term perspective also, because I am, I am in Italy, there is a worse situation. If I compare it, yeah, to but that, you can build stadiums with the, with with the possibility of expansion because there is nothing like uh, there is no uh, idea of future without the stadium. Uh, of course, the stadium is just the last part of a structure. The training but center look, is the first. Look at look at for example, um, well, Bursaspor maybe not the best example, but they're, they're they're an example of a stadium that's a little bit too big for them. Realistically, a thirty-five thousand stadium would have been much better for them. Look at Eskishir Sport; they've got thirty-five thousand. That's perfect. Yeah, Eskishir is like a perfect example of that. Also, the new Ankara Stadium is very good, and there are lots of stadiums that are pretty good. I just see sometimes like Gaziantep. I was there like last summer, mm-hmm. I believe, and they have this kind of uh, incredible huge stadium that looks like the Munich uh, Allianz Arena. Mm-hmm. And of course, as you can imagine, it's not like the kind of stadium that attracts people. Yeah, they used to have a decent crowd too at the Kamilochek Stadium, like many years ago when they yeah, were yeah, actually. Yeah, yeah, but like they don't attract like thirty. No, no, of course, yeah, no. K people there. Let's let's uh, let's not forget that much of the Turkish economy is fueled by one-ton construction. Yeah, so a lot true. of these stadiums are a unnecessary. Be mm-hmm. built in the middle of nowhere, where there's no, where there are no roads, no train links. No yeah, because it's like construction. Is means just it's be uh, like uh, concrete construction. Exactly, so exactly. The, no, the building a youth development complex on grass won't make anybody any money. So there's no incentive there, unfortunately. It's all yeah. about the money, as we were t- uh, talking before. As you probably know, in Italy there is building stadiums and the new um, tribunes they are using. They are just made of iron and steel, which is very dangerous for everyone. But that's because there is a Damine uh, factory quite close to Bergamo, quite close to here. And that's uh, quite big, so they need their own 
interesting. So the whole, tutto il mondo paese, as we say in Italy, the whole world is like the same village, <laughs> repeating and repeating. So everyone is trying to make their own interests, both yeah. for the foreign rule and for the stadium yeah. thing, for too, example. Too many fingers in the cookie jar. Exactly, exactly. So as you see, uh, the problem of the training center is that there is no big industry on that. So, uh, but it that's takes... what we should be investing in, though. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. You know. um, Burak, please, some more, uh, some more quotes. <laughs> um, we've nearly exhausted the list. I've actually found one from the, the chairman of Gerstepper. If you remember, Gerstepper were one of the teams who were in favor of the, the foreign limit being reduced, along with Trabzonspor and some others. So their chairman, um, uh, Mehmet Sepil, um, says in this in this report, the 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 reason we are making in the foreign limiting issue is this: Turkish players aren't coming through the ranks. No, Turk oyuncu yetişmiyor. Turkish players aren't being developed. And I say to you, Mr. Mehmet, I say to you, Enesunal, Charles Oyuncu, Melih Demiral, Cengiz Ünder, Ozan Kabak, Cenk Tosun, Okay Yokuşlu, Mehmet Zekicelik. I mean, how come these players are coming through the ranks and there you seem to think there aren't? I, I, I do think it's just a mentality issue. And, you know, us Turks, we're, we're stubborn, we're proud, we're pig-headed, we're you know, almost set in our ways. And I think that is a detriment to a lot of the, the talent themselves, the people that are managing them at these levels. I mean... If I look at from a Fenerbahce standpoint, the only real youth product we've ever produced in the last 15 years is Semich. And even he wasn't a, a starter for us, you know, bar that amazing goal against Croatia. Um, he scored in 2008, you know. And okay, there was one season where he got about 20 goals, but yeah. out I think of, he became top scorer with 18 goals or something. Yeah, but, you know, one youth product. Mm -hmm. um, over that many years, it's it's embarrassing. It's disgraceful. What, and, um, what do you think? What do you think? Sorry to interrupt again, Bora, but what do you guys think of perhaps implementing a rule where you basically, in in conjunction with the TFF, if you sign a foreigner and you and you're late on your payments, they can go free or something like that, or there's a punishment, or there's a point deduction, or something like that. That then maybe clubs are not going to overspend on foreigners too quickly. I don't know. Well, I think already that exists. If a player isn't played after a certain yes. amount of time, they can approach FIFA. Yeah, yeah, but maybe, maybe a point released. deduction system is... It is doesn't better. get applied. There is the mm -hmm. rule. I think two points must be like for uh, per, uh, like FIFA rule. But mm -hmm. the problem is that many players, I don't know why they don't apply to FIFA. So uh, that's uh, like a dog biting his tail. So... I yeah. know there is a story in uh, Italy about Alessio Cerci not getting his seven-month pay salary from, from Ankara Gugia. Gugia. Yeah. And he's also training out, out of the team. That's the same for Tomas Arteau, uh, who is a defender that came last summer too. And both are like training also with the reserve team because they they are like excluding from the team. They don't oh, want yeah. to. Oh, yeah. I heard a similar story from Alanya Spor with Gligor um, Plett. Uh, he's been training with the uh, reserves there for, for yeah. months too. But they need trying to, to... to go to FIFA. I don't know why they... And, and Sebastian Frey at, at Busaspor. Yeah, yeah, the same yeah. thing. Yes. You know, the, 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 the clubs try to 
And recently, uh, Gokanteure sent out some tweets uh, as well, where basically the same thing is happening with him, where he was told uh, to, to that he has to look for another club. And then he came with some clubs, and then they said, yeah, you can go, but you need to leave your wages behind. Plus, you cannot sign for Galatasaray, Fenerbahce, Başakşehir, blah, blah, blah. Stuff like that. And that's something that constantly happens in Turkey, which is a very... Very yeah, uh, that's a huge problem mentality. because also like financial fair play. That's a rule that must be respected, and many clubs like Bursaspor they had exclusions from Europe because of these reasons. So basically, yeah, um, they need to uh, to get into professionalism with this. That's not yeah. I think that's, that's one of the biggest issues is that the mentality yeah. in Turkish football, and it comes it tri- triples down from the top because we you know we've been bashing on some of these players with their quotes but it, it, we see it in the clubs too where there's just this unprofessional mindset of and you see it a lot with for example players that aren't performing well where or not not playing a big role in the team and if there's players not getting their wages paid those are usually the first ones that don't get to, that whose whose checks won't clear um and i i you know i mean as a supporter supporters will understand but professionally it's not right you know it doesn't matter how much you may dislike a certain player if you have a contract with that player you're obligated to uh, fulfill your end of the of your obligation whether they are performing or they're not i mean that's not a part of the contract unless you have specific performance-based contracts but that's most of the time that's not the case um, but we see that with the players too, where there's just this complacent mentality, and I think a lot of it stems from the professionalism from the from the top down. Um, but the foreign limit is not the answer to improve Turkish football. I think improving the professionalism of Turkish football is we investing in youth. You can you can spend a lot of money and 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 appoint the best youth de- development and all that, but. Unless you're going to give those 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 players a chance, at some point, nothing's really going. Not, nothing will really change. And we we do see for Trabzonspor, for example, they are giving players chances, but also again because they're kind of forced to. Because uh, Trabzonspor have been on the brink of bankruptcy for the last couple of years, and for years they tried to compete with Besiktas, Fenerbahce, and Galatasaray financially by signing big name players like Maxilino and stuff like that. Um, and now they're basically being forced again to 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 tap into their own well again and um maybe that's something that i mean that's going to come eventually anyway now with the financial peril all the clubs are in i really don't think that implementing a foreign rule is going to help that on the contrary it's only going to give those turks more leverage to ask for more money and for those clubs to ask for more money for their average turks so i think it's it's one of the biggest reasons that so many turkish clubs are in such financial Straits right now is that is that foreign limit? I mean, if we look at those those fees that were paid for Mehmet Topos for Ozan Tufan even that was even after the foreign limit. But I mean, Ismail Koybash, uh I'm sure Uzer uh, can name quite a few from Galtsray. You know, I mean, we had so many of of big ridiculous fees for 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 really average players. And that's all a product of the foreign limit. I don't think we have any more quotes, do we, Burak? 
Uh, we have exhausted all the ones that I I have found. We had some quick scatter ones from a number of players, and we've had the ones from the the Gerstepe and the the Throbs on Chairman. Um, player wise, wow. we, we've said that the one the main players who are calling for a limit are those almost the ones that have a chip on their shoulder that weren't able to play mm-hmm. because they they weren't good enough. And I've been hard pressed to try and find any journalist worth their salt who is in favour of bringing in a, a foreign limit. So that's, you know... Yeah. I've been really surprised by how many journalists I've seen go against the grain on this subject because it is quite a touchy subject given the fact that it's being so... Uh, maybe not... It hasn't been as pushed as hard in recent months by Erdogan, but he's the one who started all this. He's the one who started the snowballing effect... Uh, last year, I think, and then uh, you know Erdogan started with saying we well, need to go back to a foreign limit, and then Yildirim Demiran, the former Turkish Football Federation president, who was still the TFF president at that time, picked that up and ran with that, and and it kind of snowballed from there. And we saw, you know, Mircea Lucescu was in favor of a foreign limit. Channel Gunesh had a couple of things to say in favor of the foreign limit right around the time. Uh, when Bishtesh were playing in the cha- were pl- doing so well in the Champions League. Uh, well, well, in fact, uh, Shenol Ganesh just in September last year said that the foreign number of foreigners in the league was too high. So yeah, and uh, you know what? I mean, maybe there are foreigners in the league that probably shouldn't be in the that maybe shouldn't be in the league whose quality isn't good enough. But I think that 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 number is uh, not not worth mentioning really it's not significant um but i've been talking so much so i'm going to throw to you first Uzzer. i would like your thoughts on the matter and then i'm going to throw to burak and, and bruno after that well um i think we've exhausted a lot of the key points um i mean like like i mentioned before the the money coming into the league is only going to grow if the foreigners are allowed to come in as well. I mean, money from TV rights, uh, money from exporting the sport to other countries. Um, I don't envisage play, uh, clubs being able to sell any players, any Turkish players abroad if a foreign league comes in because players don't won't want to leave. They'll be on inflated contracts. Um, so again, that will be a, of a detriment to the league as well. Mentioned before about more and more fans visiting stadium. Um, and as, when it comes to the national team, I don't see any correlation between limiting foreigners and national team success. Look at the top five, top ten teams in the FIFA ranking. None of them have foreign rules. We, we've had foreign rules for so long and we've failed miserably for, to even qualify for, for tournaments. It's only now yeah. where we have a good crop of players coming through that we're able to ex- look forward to qualifying for Euro 2020. And if we want that to continue, then we just have to have the, an open door to everyone. Keep the competition going. And you know, Kevin De Bruyne said uh, in, in, a, in an interview, I believe, last last year, uh, he spoke about the success of the Belgian national team. And the number one reason he, quoted, uh, he was quoted for saying was, the biggest reason for our success is because we, and then he means the players, all went to big leagues. Uh, he was talking, of course, about himself, Romelu Lukaku, Jan Bertongen. Uh, Thomas Vermalen, uh, you know, uh, 
Toby Alderwereld, uh, Vincent Company, Mawan Fellaini, all those guys that went to top leagues, you know, they went to Spain, they went to Italy, uh, Italy Nainggolan and such, uh, they went to, to England, of course, where the majority of, of, the, of the, the better Belgian players are, and they went to Germany, like Axel Witzel now, Dortmund, and he said the main reason is because we went to those leagues at a young age, and now, for the first time in history, I think, we are seeing so many of our young players flock to the top five leagues. They're not just going to, like, like Semikaya to the Czech Republic. No, they're going to England, they're going to Spain, they're going to Italy, they're going to Germany, and they're actually playing for mo- for the most part. I mean, Cenk and Chala aren't getting that many minutes, but Cengiz Under is a starter when he's fit. Uh, we've seen Mer- Mary Demeral now is a, is, a, is a starter for Sassuolo. Okayokushle is a starter for Celta de Vigo. Um, Ozan Kabak is, is, has been starting for, for Stuttgart lately after making an, a very impressive debut where I believe he scored two goals. And, you know, in the, in the, between 2005 and, 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 and 2015, so that's a decade of foreign limit, we saw, we, I think we saw Arda Turan go to a top five league, Mehmet Topal very briefly for one or two seasons and then came back to Turkey. And I think there's one more... Tunjai, of course. Tunjai Shanla, of course, to England and then later to Germany. On a free transfer. That's that's three players in a decade. And now since 2015, in four years, we've seen... I can't count them on one hand. We've seen quite a few players go. We've seen a Turkish transfer record being shattered. Cenk Tosun going to, to England for 23 million euros. Uh, which is an absolute record. Never ever was there paid a fee more than 20 million uh, to, for, for a player from the Turkish league. Çalak um, Soyuncu, like I already said, Okay Yokushlu, um, Ozan Kabak now recently, Meri Demeral, that's five already. Uh, who am I? Cenk Tosun, I don't know if I mentioned them. Who am I missing still? I mean, there's, there's, there's quite a few now. I think there's seven or eight players that are already gone, and, and many of them are actually getting minutes playing and all that, and we're seeing the the benefits from it now for the national team, the first signs of it, and of course we still, Batuhan Karadins has a good point, we don't really produce a lot of strikers, but maybe in two or three years there's going to be a strike, you, you don't know, next season, look at Ozan Kabak, he came out of, I mean, for, for 95%, I think, of Turkish football watchers, even for many Galatasaray fans, I think he came out of left field, and he didn't expect him to be as good as he was, as quick as he was, and and why why should we not have a young striker come up like that in the ranks and in maybe next year or the year after? And there's there's quite a few young and exciting talents that we see in the academies. Uh, I, I I remember uh, those are uh, shared a video not so long ago of this young Kyrgyzstan Kyrgyzstan kid in in in, in Galatasaray's youth and Besiktas have a very exciting young Kyrgyz as well in their youth setup. So. Who knows? Maybe those kids are going to come through and maybe we're going to get some strikers in the near future. But we see, we see at least that there's a lot of young talent and they're going, getting an opportunity to go abroad and get better and playing competitive matches like Kevin De Bruyne said. And I think that's the only way that we're going to improve the national team and are going to be more consistent because we might get a tournament here and there like we have done for the previous three decades uh, where we got three tournaments and, and had two really good ones. Um but then also missed out on 
a ridiculous amount of, of tournaments. Uh, Burak, do you have anything to add on the foreign limit the debate? I'm, I just want to say that I, I don't think... I think the way it's working right now is, is great for the clubs. I think if when you get a foreign player... So if I use um, Dirk, Dirk Kite as, as an example, a model professional that comes into the club and the academy players, the young players just learn from watching him, not just by how he plays football, but, yeah. but how he trains, how he carries himself in and outside of the training ground, how he speaks with his peers, his colleagues, how he conducts interviews. And these people are, you know, examples of, of model professionals that are young products, whether they're in the, the academy or they're in the first training with the first team for the first time because of a good performance that they've been promoted. These people can only be good at good influences. Now, of course, you're going to have a few players, both, you know, local, like, like Turkish yeah. and, and foreign that are going to not you know, be Work of that out. mold. But, you know, when you get someone like, like a Dirk, Dirk Hout, you know, great professional, someone like a, a, a Kagawa, a great professional. Nagatomo. Um, exactly. Well, we can, we can you know, keep saying these names for days and that they're coming and they should be, and I think they are improving the quality of the players we have in our team and hopefully ushering in a, a change of mentality within the youth. I mean, I can see it within Fenerbahce with the way we, we're trying to now restructure our youth programme now course that's gonna ha not gonna happen overnight but i'm hopeful no, that, that takes five to ten years at least you know that's not something you immediately reap the benefits from but you know it's 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 a positive step in the right direction yeah of course to what has almost been non-existent previously you know the likes of you know merich Demiral being let go the likes of duhan Axel, who's now been transferred to lille coming through our academy somehow slipping through the net but the foundations are being laid, so I'm positive with regards to that development. And hopefully, you know, this city foreign limit is just scrapped and it continues. And then as these foreign players come into the league, they can train with the academy or they can help the academy players learn from their training that they've had in their countries. So I'd like to almost see maybe a, a better integration Integration is maybe the wrong wrong word, but maybe more um, help being passed down onto onto the younger players. Because if you can get them thinking like hard work, discipline from a young age, then that's only going to help us reap the benefits of them and, and stop these wasted talents like Mabodahan and a uh, some other Oljan, Oljan, and goodness, Cesar. Well, you know, Jehun Erishi, he did have his few good games, but yeah, again, the one that suffered from just maybe he just yeah. needed an arm around him or just to be better mentored. Yusuf Shimshek. Oh, you're just naming Fenerbahce players now. <laughs> yeah, but they were all great talents that, 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 that could have had much better careers than they ended up having. Um, but uh, like Bruno said as well with Adebayor, I mean, he has a. They expect him to set an example at his club, and I mean. I, I, of course, when you bring in foreigners, you should go for players that are going to, 
you know, have a quality injection, obviously. But I don't think any any club goes out there with the idea of, hey, I'm gonna we're gonna bring in some foreigners this window, and they're just for squad depth. I think every time when they bring in a foreigner, the intention is for them to play and to, and like I said, I mean, the the, the, the Turkish players that end up playing then are usually be playing because they're good enough. Um, Bruno, do you have anything to add in regards to this debate? Yes, actually, I uh, would think about just uh, for my own example I can bring here, which is uh, bad memory I have, which is the moment in which Italy did not qualify for Russia uh, 2018. Uh, it was like a national tragedy for Italy, and I'm not joking, because it was like 60 years with Italy going to the World Cup, and this was the first time ever. Uh, witnessed even by my mom, not just by me. So that's like <laughs> something incredible for all the people here. And there were lots of pundits in Italy that were calling for a foreign rule in Italy. And even like a couple of weeks ago, I was uh, reading some tweets from a Sky Sport pundit that was is really respected in Italy. If I'm not wrong, it's Stefano De Grand. The like was proposing in Italy, like of probably Alessandro Alciato. I don't remember exactly who it was, but he was proposing, like, oh, there are some good ideas for Italian football. Six Italian players on a pitch for every single team in Serie A. Well, guys, every single word we said tonight can be like uh, used also for these people in Italy that don't realize how much important this Serie A brought for everyone watching. Yeah. And probably, like, uh, the quality of the game would drop so much. And all the things we said are really, really uh, Would you agree, Bruno, important. if I said that it was a lazy fix? Like, a lazy answer to a Usually, the answer question. to get more retweets in this case because uh, you can't do this in Italy because it's part of the European Union, so there is a law that can't be uh, changed regarding those the players on the pitch and this kind of stuff because you are part of the European Union agreement, and that's a lucky oh, so thing. That's why the English the English want to get out of the European Union so they can start banning their foreign players, which they hate so much. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> Gone with Sergio Aguero. The best league in the world has revenues, of course, immediately, <laughs> and they would drop all the money they get. So, maybe in the long term, they would realize. That would the, be good for the rest of, uh, of the leagues. Maybe they would get yeah, some Yeah, maybe they're for the Super League, if they uh, keep yeah. the foreign quota as it is. Imagine if, the, if, if, if our clubs got £93 million a year in TV revenue. <laughs> well, hey, Bruno, finally, players will get their money on time, I guess. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Bruno, I have a question for you. Um, on top of the uh, obvious limitless EU players for Italian League, isn't there a max of three or four non-EU players allowed in the squads? Well, technically, yes. But it's just in a match day squad, so as you can imagine, it's really creative. And, uh, uh, well, it's just like uh, Fernando Muslera is Italian. Right, okay, yeah. Like, yeah. It's kind of and Messi even has a Spanish passport. Yeah, all yeah. the Turkish players, Akan Chalanoğlu plays for Milan, he's German. Yeah. For this uh, kind yes. of uh, true, true. thing. Even though he dropped his nationality, I think he can be considered as German because he yeah. like, we were there. I so uh, I suppose so Jenkins in there. 
would be so gives the reception. So uh, Roma, uh, that uh, kind of transfer section, uh, Roma yeah. could sign just one session if they sell to uh, non EU player. That's also another law that is really important to respect, but they always find a way because it's Italy. Yeah, maybe and they get him to take an Italian passport in two years. Yeah, 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 but they will find a way or also, even though uh, it's not a problem because uh, to buy a player, you need to buy two players. But after that you bought two players, you can buy a player from like a second division team and then sell it uh, outside of Italy, and then you uh, get a new slot for a new, new player. So it's really complicated, and then uh, it's an, e an easy human move. trafficking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To, to do but, traffics and this stuff, uh, there are a lot of stories on that. So do you remember when we had the foreign limit and we had uh, Mert Nobre and Mehmet Aurelio? My God, yes. Yeah. yeah, I mean, those are things that you start uh, creating then, I mean... And also the Bruma loaned out to, to Gaziantep. Oh yeah, when was... he just tore his ACL. Yeah, 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 he was... Uh, I <laughs> and think then got he, loaned he, he out. never, 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 never went to Gaziantep. Because there was no reason for that in that moment, because he was in Portugal probably. But incredibly, he yeah. was a Gaziantep sport player for six months. So uh, that's uh, the foreign rule. Imagine if he would have turned out to be the next Cristiano Ronaldo and he played uh, or he was under contract with Gaziantep's Force for six months. It's yeah. Kind of funny. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I, you know what? I mean, for the people listening here, I mean, you can all tell very clearly that we are all very much against a foreign limit. And I think we have expressed our opinions wholeheartedly. And I hope that uh, it echoes many of your opinions. And if it doesn't, I hope you, you, you learned something. But uh, if you didn't and you do not agree, please interact with us on Twitter. Uh, you can reach all of us on Twitter um, at, uh, of course, the, 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 the Turkish football, uh, football a la Turca podcast uh, account at footy a la Turca. Or you can reach... Uh, those are at Atakos with a Q A T A Q O Z. You can reach Burak at Burakiosaurus, and you can reach Bruno at B R one N O Botaro, I believe. Two R's. Yeah, exactly. The, uh, exactly. The, the problem with B R one is because in Italian one is uno, so basically it's my name. Right. I'm vague. Yeah. <laughs> very, very. Uh, very good. Uh, but you can find all uh, the that kind of stuff in the show notes. Thank you very much for listening. And uh, we'll be back with some more Turkish football action next week in episode 7. Because the Turkish league will be returning soon. Although I think there's still a, a week hiatus and I'm not mistaken. I think the league yeah, recommences right. on the 6th of April. So uh, maybe we'll squeeze out another special episode. But for now, thank you very much for listening. Bruno, thank you very much for coming and sharing your expertise and of course your opinion uh, on, on this matter. Um, I hope to have you on again in one of our future episodes and uh, very much appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. Thanks a lot. That's my pleasure. And of course, Burak and Azar, thank you guys both so much. Thank you. Now it's too. time for me to get editing on this episode, so hopefully you will all be able to listen to this on Wednesday or whenever you decide to listen to the podcast. Thank you all and good night. Grazie. Jak Shamlar. Exactly. How are you, Azar? Yeah. Oh, uh. Yeah, well, we'll just say good night as well. It's quite boring, actually. Same as him.